space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, are Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. And we continue this week with the Dominion War. It's been good being able to do some DS9. Shall we do the Trek news first? Oh, go on, Elliot. Do the Trek news. Well, we... uh, actually, even before that, just a oh. word from our sponsors. Not only are we, as always, brought to you by the uh, lovely people from Copperberg who are still to send us anything. And those wonderful shows. producers of Savignon Blanc. Yeah, um, but also Lemsip tonight, because I got the man flus. I may not make it to the end of the show. Like, Elliot start coughing as soon as I came on the call. That's how contagious it is. And I still have the Pepsi Max Cherry, which is the choice of a new generation. The sugar-free choice. Where? Where's our free stuff? I know. It's just Sorry, not happening, is it? On some actual real shit that we've got to cover. <laughs> Go on, Elliot. Actual Trek news. Actual Trek news. We got a new trailer for Picard yesterday. Did we? Yes, we did. Yes, yes. We cause... got the trailer for the release of the new trailer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, the trailer for the trailer. Yeah, this the was trailer cut into the... a football advert, it's, wasn't uh, it? it? Well, there's obviously sponsoring the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it's the Super Bowl this Sunday, which is... I think it's 6.45 EST. Yeah. Right. As as I Which think... will put it about quarter past one in the morning UK time. And during the halftime adverts, we are getting the new advert. Oh, new I love... Regard. I've got I to love... say... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, it's like, I mean, as much as, like, generally, I'm getting really pissed off with this thing of, like, right, tomorrow they're going to announce the day when they're going to release the pre-trailer <laughs> for the trailer, which is before the trailer... I think it's bullshit, but we did get some new clips even out of the mm-hmm. trailer because yeah. they cut it into some inspirational quotes from it. They cut in the football to like cross. Yeah, we had. It was about a one minute. Uh, what was it? One minute eleven seconds, I think it was. Trailer for the trailer. Ooh, yeah. that means the actual trailer's gonna yeah. be longer trailer. than one minute. Yeah, it, for the final, final, full trailer before. Picard season three on February the sixteenth. Is it we get it? Oh yes. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. It's coming soon. Um. So yeah, I I do like Super Bowl because we get all the movie trailers and stuff as well. Uh, it's always good fun seeing like which trailers dropped during the Super Bowl, yeah. and because we live in the digital age now, we actually get to see them. Whereas it used to be you had to wait for Empire magazine to come out a month later and have like a couple of stills from it. And that was the closest you got back in the day. And the one thing which I love about the pre-trailer bits that we got is that it was, as I say, it was an inspirational speech used to cross advertise the football match, the American football match. But the one thing I did love is that it, it proves there is a Picard inspirational speech in this one. It's something I've been missing in the last two series. I don't feel like he's like Picard. He's famed for his inspirational speeches. He like, is. The last episode where he convinced like what to them was a new crew of the Enterprise to put their spots on the Barbie to go into like 
certain death just through a nifty speech in the films he always had one and like you know it's been missing the last two series so I'm, and and it it was cut down as well you could tell it was edited because there's a yeah. bit where his voice just cuts off a bit abruptly so you know mm. there's more inspirational speech to come so i was well happy that's what i want i just want the card to give an inspiration speech maybe play. they'll do a whole episode of inspirational speech <laughs> I, I would be happy. Like 45 minutes. Like, why is it they call it in America? A filibuster. Maybe he has to do a filibuster. And everyone else is just keep going. What the fuck is that? I'm going, it was my dream. That's what it was. <laughs> so, back to DS9 then. I don't think we get any inspirational speeches in this one, but uh, neither of these. But what we'll talk about it. This isn't so much of the inspirational speeches. He's more like, you know, um, just kind of like he's quite an action y. He's proper uh, hamming it up this episode. He does do a bit of ham in this one, it has There's to be said. No, this is a whole side of bacon. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> I will defend it in this episode that I think it was. It, it was good hack. Like it's like with Shannon. Sometimes it works beautifully. Other times, yeah, looks like you're just shooting the scenery for the sake of it. Now, I and do think we're on to something with the theory that Avery Brooks is actually a disciple of Nicolas Cage's nouveau shamanic. <laughs> Avery <laughs> might have pioneered it before Nick Cage gave it a name. You cross Nick Cage with William Shatner. And I want to say some black hero, which like should be in the mix, obviously. And you get Avery Brooks, like the, yeah. you know, the performance-wise. So, and also, I think it's worth saying that even though this is our Dominion War series, these are both linked to the ongoing storyline, but are not Dominion War heavy episodes. But we couldn't we, not cover them because it's too I, important. I, well, we were looking for one, weren't we? So we could do um, In Purgatory's Shadow and by yeah. Inferno's Light as a two, as a one episode. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, when you actually watch these two, I think Ratchet is more Dominion War adjacent. Yeah, than, it definitely. Than, than the begotten, which is the one that we were going to do. You reckon and then yeah. looking for a second episode. And we were. Say Rapture, is it because the, like, I mean, for me, the main thread which goes into that is that Bajor doesn't join the Federation because they would get consumed by a plague of locusts, which is the Dominion, as far as I can mm-hmm. But yeah. I thought, like, I found a heavy episode and it gives Odo his changeling abilities back. I thought that was heavier. What what, what well for you? Well it's because of uh, Cisco having the vision about the Dominion and he mm. ruins it. But also this is the first episode that we can one hundred percent say for certain this is a uh, changeling Bashir. It is. And, yeah. and when you look at some of his decisions this episode you can think Oh, that's really sneaky. That's a chip. Why he's doing that and why he's so adamant straight away because he's a changeling. I love that. I forgot to even think of that when I was watching it. Oh, I'm looking forward to your insights on this. Yeah. Yeah. So I think also when we originally planned out the Dominion Wall arc, we generally avoided the emissary stories, but I think because we've covered Rapture, we're also going to cover the Reckoning when we get to it, because that's very much a companion piece. Uh, And it's important to the Parade storyline and everything. So I think we need to build that one in when we get to it as well. As well as that, I mean, obviously you were saying about uh, Bashir there, 
a bloody brilliant episode for, for Sid, if I may say so. Uh, you know, he insists I call him that. From, from no, the, I know, I know. It now is, two yeah. interviews I've done with him. The, the, the one which you can catch on youtube.com slash the Dr. Squee, uh, sorry, slash Dr. Squee. You can catch both of us. Fantastic I feel interview. like Sid is pretty much part of the family now, so I, I don't <laughs> think he'd mind myself and Admiral Elliot calling him Sid either. I do tend yeah. to refer to him as Sid now. Knowing that, guys, that's how he prefers to be. That's how he prefers yeah. to be called. And you two did get a shout out in the uh, in the. I history. noticed. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I was watching. So, we got. I missed. I think the first ten minutes of it because we were getting back from hospitals. But yeah, I, I resist the temptation. I was so tempted to go. It's like, oh, and, and little Jim King and uh, and Elliot have written in. <laughs> I don't. <don't laughs> oh, I thought no, no, no. Come on, come on. Give them the propers. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, the city of Balhalla, then. This is, or Bahalla, this is the the thing of this episode. And it, it starts with Cisco and he's discovered, well, not, he hasn't discovered it yet, but he, basically they've got an artifact that he's had redirected to the station so it can have a bit yeah, of a... Yeah, it's one of the, <laughs> something the Kardashians seized in the occupation. Yeah, the yeah. in for it to be returned. It's taken five years for the Kardashians to go. Yeah, actually, it is yours. Yeah, you can have <laughs> it back, which is a lot faster. I've got to say than the British Museum has done of any of their. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, yeah. This is why uh, Sid isn't in the, the opening scene with that British accent. And they're like, keep away from it. People are going to make yeah. parallels. I mean, I, I do love though that. Um, Kira says, like, this is the only proof that we've got that, that this place actually existed. What, a painting? I'm, I'm just, I hate to yeah. spit hairs here, but it's, it's, it's not the biggest proof ever. No, like, you know, there's, yeah, you cannot, like, I've seen paintings with, like, the Daleks fighting Godzilla, but I'm, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, yeah. about I the mean, Daleks fought Godzilla, or that there's really Daleks, or there's really Godzilla? What I mean, it's all definitely of them Daleks, <laughs> I mean, Daleks. I mean, I, I've, I've met them. I know they exist. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there was also a few conveniences as well here of the things that Cisco works out. There are some things with the visions and stuff. That's fine. But it's the being with like where he sees a shadow, which no one else has picked up on ever. <laughs> like, yeah, the reflection <laughs> of the back of the tablet in the waterfall, and it's like really, is nobody ever? It reminds me. Well, of, uh, it reminds me of on. Um, uh, Red Dwarf did an excellent piss take of this sort of thing. Uh, they were referencing Blade Runner, I think. It was. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a uh, a photo, and they kind of like, Cat goes, right, zoom in on that quarter. Right, zoom in the reflection of that mirror. Now, reverse it. Now, from that mirror, zoom in on that shop window. <laughs> that shop window, <laughs> yeah. zoom in on that book. You know, it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's up there on that level, I think. It is. Be, I think the thing is, though, it's... It's not, because it's not that obscure, but it's too obvious for it to be something that people have missed for so many years, the you know. About, the thing about this, how he enhances it, normally you enhance a photograph or a digital image. This is something someone's painted. So mm. it, it's actually, it actually is just a brush line like that. Yeah, it that's true. It isn't that, it's something that's been distorted. By the water. By the water. I'm saying, no. though, it's like it, even more reason why you'd see it then. Like, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. I, think it's what, I think what we have to assume is that the Bajoran artist 
first painted an exact, as though he were painting it in a mirror, he painted all the hieroglyphs and everything, <laughs> then he painted the water over it. Right. Yeah, which is, is it like that, uh, <laughs> is it one of the early uh, TNG episodes, and it's where there's that um, assassin and she's being genetically altered to never age and she's hundreds of years old, track, oh, track, yeah. trying to write it off another... And they have a photograph, and there's a tiny sliver of hair you can see behind someone. And they extrapolate uh, what her entire face looks like. Well, actually, I've got it. Jim, you've actually, I think, solved how they could have done it. Because they once scanned the Mona Lisa, I think it was, and they found a preliminary pitch behind it, and they did it. It's something to do with the age That's of the true. They did do that, if yeah. If they'd done that, that would have been better. Like, I would have gone, fair enough, Bajor might not have thought to do that maybe he's the first one Leo. You know, maybe when they scanned it in it picked that up you know for the first time ever you know, it just give me a little bit more it was like when um uh like and i did love this episode by the way but i just want to get away get all this out of the way yeah yeah, yeah get it out of the way it was when kira uh, said it's like oh god this suddenly reminds me of uh, the prophecy that only one who's been touched by the prophecy well you didn't think of that when it got beamed up by the fucking emissary that didn't spring to your mind before the the third the, the prophecy of um, somebody or other yeah and also everyone's having these bloody orb visions so you know you could have Kira's had an orb experience already yeah. Beryl has Kai Wynn has or has she I mean, not one of the monks went like it? The emissary wants to see this, and it that prophecy says well, that's, that's the, the prophecy. prophecy. Let's get it there now. You know, it's like yeah. no, I reckon they did know that, but they went shh, don't jinx the prophecy. Shh. <laughs> it has to play out. <laughs> but we've got the new uniforms, as we've alluded to, and I'm just going to put it out there: Cisco's com badge is in the wrong place all episode. I don't know why. I've never known why. I don't. The only thing I can think of is they thought, or oh, maybe let's try the captain wears it somewhere different to distinguish them. I think <laughs> it's because he's already uh, suffering from Balhar and he's just not thinking properly and he's just gone like that. He's just whacking oh. his combat John anywhere on the moment. put it where ancient Bajorans were. I was going to say, it, it's part of the vision is, is to put the combat up there. It's also like... Apparently, part of the vision is for the whole crew to button up the outfit for the way which they never do another episode. No, never do that again. Never do it in the movies. I think they just got them and they go, well, I'll just assume they're going to be done up. Then they saw the movie and they're going, oh, shit, okay, that's much better. And Cisco's like, oh, in fact, that's probably what happened. Patrick Stewart probably said, like, well, actually, you know, I, as the captain, did have my combat job here. Don't (laughs) worry, when it comes out, you'll see. You'll see, Avery, I did. I'll definitely button it up all the way. (laughs) And then, yeah, and then Avery Brooks is on the phone to Patrick Stewart afterwards. Larry, you bastard! It's prankster Picard's been at it again. That was (laughs) (laughs) It's only Avery Brooks. I'm just going to put the phone down he'll be talking for another half hour he's trying to get prankster picard trending but it was really before twitter had taken off so yeah you know it was worth a try um so yeah it but talking about the the jacket when we next see cisco and he's on the holodeck he's loosened the buttons down and you can see the vest below it which begs the question do they always have this vest on under the uniforms, that must be bloody warm. Yeah, I imagine it's part of the uniform. Well, they, they well, must no, be but, boiling then. 
No, because it's space fabric. Oh, of course. Oh, space, that's so close to space magic. I love it. It's, it's almost space magic adjacent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's the, it's the fabric. It's it's warm when it needs to be cool when it doesn't it, need exactly to be. Exactly, it's space magic. It's special. Yeah. Okay. What's me? And, and then Quack offers him a pleasure maze, which... Have a special prize in the centre. I should imagine <laughs> so, yeah. And I don't think we need to say much more about that. I'm sure we can all conjure up what might be involved in um, a Ferengi pleasure maze. And then, yeah, Cisco gets zapped, and this is when he starts having the visions. Odo arrests Quack. Quack for it, because why not? I, and I, I Cisco... Think I like Quack's excuse, though. But it's all uh, mm. O'Brien's fault. Well, it probably is. I mean... Is that I've, I've been asking for maintenance by the, from the station to come... Or I've been asking for Rob to come and fix them, because he's the only one who can, and Chief O'Brien wouldn't uh, give him the day off to fix my... Uh, Hollow Swings, mm. he wanted him actually working, doing his job. Like, yeah. how bad is that? <laughs> and I'm, I'm betting all that, uh, that O'Brien said was like, you know, just, just put in a maintenance request and some will come fix it. But they go, no, no, I want Ron on a day off. It's like, well, yeah. Like, what gets me is how he actually says it's got to be Ron because my idiot brother is the only person who can fix the, the holodecks. Well, it's, it's obviously from... not that much of an idiot, is it? <laughs> yeah, they've shown um, the hodgepodge before, and they, they address it in one episode where they say it's like, uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't have to do these jobs if you actually paid for a proper repair. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. He's the only one who will do it that Quack cannot pay to do it. He's probably the I only w- one who understands the hodgepodge he's already done on it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if by the end of this episode then, when he finds out that it's actually a religious thing that's happened, I wonder if he does a lawsuit against the prophets or a lawsuit against the Bajoran (laughs) church or something. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. I mean, have you ever seen the film The Man Who Sued God with Billy Connolly? I mean, it's it's not a route to go there. It's not as bad as some people said. but I enjoy enjoy it as a movie. It's a sort of fair throwaway movie. I think it's quite a good premise where his insurance won't pay out and they say it's an act of God and he wants so paid, so he goes, fine, I'm going to sue God then. I mean, let's face it, it I mean, it, it's not quite enough for me to sustain like an hour and a half or whatever it was, and it's Billy Connolly kind of makes it work because he's just brilliant. I, I, that's, well, I think that's why I, really, I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, Billy Connolly's awesome. Now, this... This reminds me, there is a bit of a link here. I'm not just randomly talking about wrestling, though this weekend, Royal Rumble, check it out. Um, There was a match, oh, it must be over 10 years ago now, where Shawn Michaels, who is a born-again Christian at this point, um, was going to... Was, was in a big rivalry with Vince McMahon, the evil owner of the WWE, who um, don't... Well, you can Google him to see what he's been up to recently, but it's not nice reading. However, Vince brought in his son, Shane, as his tag team partner for this upcoming event, and he said, like, Shawn Michaels, you need a tag team partner. <clears throat> 
And because you have such a close relationship with him, your tag team partner will be God. <laughs> and so they advertised this match, and it was Vince and Shane versus Shawn Michaels and God. And they had Vince and Shane stood in the ring, and they were like, and now, coming down to the ring, it is God. And they just had a spotlight that came down and followed it all the way up to the ring. And then when he got into the ring, Vince was, like, talking to the referees, going, check him, check him for illegal objects. And he's making the referee pat down God <laughs> in the back. How did they get away with this in America? Like, over here, I wouldn't be that surprised, but Jesus. Well, um, Shawn Michaels and God did win the match, so... That makes well, it hope so. Right. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, if, if you're interested in wrestling matches where one of the competitors is not there... Um, uh, Google Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan, and it's an absolutely classic encounter where it's basically just a referee and the Invisible Man and the Invisible Stan, who's Invisible Man's evil brother, are fighting each other. Nice. So there you go. Anyway, back to what's <laughs> going on in DS9. So Cassidy's coming back. Um, we've this not is covered what appearance in season five. Is it? Yeah, she was, yeah. and, and why she was in prison for six months, mm -hmm. she was then contact, contractually obliged or tied to the end. Um, oh, what who show was it? She was a regular on a show. Ah, I can't remember whose show it was, but she was contractually obliged. That's why. Ah, that's why we don't six, see much of her. She was off for six months, and why you only get her in this one episode of season five. If someone can Google that and put it in the chat, that would be great. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, one thing I did think, though, is that kind of explains it a little bit, but it's like uh, I thought it was an interesting choice to reintroduce her in an episode where she's got to be, so, like, they've got to talk about their love so much, and it just seemed really weird that she's just come back it's... from the station, and it's like... I guess his visions kind of bypass it a little bit because you can say it's like, well, he can see beyond the time of the moment. So there's a yeah. bit of an excuse, but it, 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 it did seem a weird moment to reintroduce her. It, she's sort of a bit confused by Elle because when she first comes in, you can see she's very tentative and she's trying to work out, uh, you know, where is our relationship now and do we have to rebuild things and is it going to work? And Cisco's just, just like, come with me to Bahala. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, he, I do like where I do like though, like you're saying that is it because of the prophet's way all this thing that he's done, but you do realize that he's uh, this has been all the time for six months because he goes, Do you want your quarters back? I had some sway with the CEO, everything is still where you left it. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know that, but it's like, I mean, at the end of the episode, it kind of explains why he he's in that point but it's like she's so tentative and then by the end of the episode she goes look look what you've got here this loving family it's like you, you just come back after six months <laughs> give it a minute yeah I, in, on the other side of that though i do enjoy the fact that it takes a very grown grown-up adult approach to a relationship and you know, in a lot of TV and in Star Trek previously it would be like well she worked for the Mackie that's it over done with yeah. But the fact that they go, okay, they're, they're both adults, they love each other, she's made a mistake, 
they can patch that up. But like you say, we do bypass completely the patching up in this episode. <laughs> Which would have been a really great episode. To, but again, like Elliot, what Elliot's saying makes sense of it now, because mm. you'd think you'd get an episode where she yeah. comes back on board, you play that out. You play the awkwardness. You play, you know, Yeah, I think maybe, maybe it's a thing like, you know, as Elliot points out, if they had it for one episode... <sighs> Maybe they were just like, we need Cassidy to take on this function in this episode, so let's just make Cisco go all weird. And, um, also, if you're going to have for one episode, you don't want that awkwardness and then for her to disappear for ages. And yeah. also, equally, if you're going to have her going forward in the show, you don't want her in one episode um, and then what? not see her for what? months after an awkward episode. Yeah. Yeah, you want to use it the best of her ability. It's really strange, though, because you have this way she's all back into his life. And then she's not in for the rest of the season. This is only halfway through the season. Mm. So by camera, by what we saw when this was actually broadcast, it's nearly nine months until we see her again. <laughs> True, yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah, I, I, mean, month, I can't remember which episode she comes back in in season the... They always had that thing with Cassidy, though, that because she's afraid of Captain, yeah. she's often away. Yeah. Um, before that, though, Cisco is making shapes out of his food, which is a, <laughs> it feels like a Close Encounters, you know, very yeah. obvious reference yeah, to Close Encounters. Obvious. So enjoy that. Obvious. Yeah. And then the other r- r- thing running under it is we just get the Admiral turn up and go, well, as you know, Bejo's about to join the Federation. And you're like, whoa, that's like the main thing of the show. And <laughs> um, we're just dropping it in mid-episode. Oh, yeah, that's started. That's about to happen. Can I throw something out there? That scene, that Admiral looked really awkward on the view screen. It was all right later on in the episode. I just felt he was like, it felt like he was just reading a view, uh, an auto cue of the screen, which I'm sure he I thought, just... I thought his performance was very much like that throughout. He has this very... I was trying to be sort generous, of but yeah. flat way of delivering everything as it's everything so matter of fact, just like, well, Ben, we're going to join. They're not going to join the Federation anymore. Okay, Ben. Yes. <laughs> and, I yeah, will have the something on ice then. Yeah. We which we'll get to that. We'll get but, to that. I mean, but I, I think it was even worse on the view screen because he wasn't, he probably wasn't acting directly with Avery or maybe it was a screen. I don't maybe, know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. So Cassidy does get swept up on the quest and everything. And there's a bit where they're going through the caves and Cisco says, it's just around the bend. It's like, you're the one who's around the bend, mate, at this point, you know. With Good choice of language there. What was it? The two, we're 200 metres underground. How do you know where you're going? Oh, it's just around the corner. I've never been here before, but I just know. Here we are. Wait, that's just a stone wall. Yeah, it's behind there. He gets phased around. <laughs> And I yeah. do love the phaser setting that they have for this. Yeah, the break down got, the wall, disintegrate the wall setting. Yeah. Melt stone so it disintegrates into states. Yeah, into a perfect doorway shape. <laughs> well, Eddie Izzard uh, used to have this bit where they would say, um, sorry, she, I believe she goes under there. Uh, she um, would say that uh, the phaser should have had more settings than just going. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. like a, a fancy and ice cream setting. So when everyone gets distracted and just goes for ice cream. Like, yeah. she obviously didn't watch enough of the episodes. There's so no, many things they don't even mention. Oh, like, just melt the wall exactly the door well, shape that we want. I think in the original series, you mentioned the phasers having nine settings. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um, like, no. they are usually broken into stun and kill, but... 
We all know it's, there's several other states. Heat yeah, the rock setting, which they never really call that. Heat the rock setting is a frequent one, yeah. Yeah. Heat the rock setting, but vaporize what rocks is vaporized rocks effect. And it, it vaporizes it almost, you know, I'm I'm maybe being cynical here, but almost as though part of the set had a little breakaway section that you could remove to reveal a doorway and it, the phaser does it perfectly to make it look like that, which I'm very impressed with it. Um, then there's a good bit with Odo where he's talking to, um, oh, who is it now? Oh, there's Worf and Kira. And on one side, you've got Worf saying it is naval tradition that you have to sit so-and-so there and so-and-so oh, it, there. It's, a, it's there for the quarters, isn't it? The size yeah, of the quarters. and then Kira's there going, well, that's a Vedic, so that... And you can just see Odo getting so pissed off with it, like, well, you just let me sort out the security. I don't care about this and that. And Thank goodness I've never had to deal with event planning, but I've seen people who have had to deal with shit like that. Oh, my God, I do not envy them one bit. That no, is, not like, at all. You know, someone on the writing staff was like, oh, 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 put this in. This, yeah, like, this well, certain like, portion of your audience will love this, trust me. And the closest I've ever come is like trying to organise who sits where at my wedding, and it's like, well, you can't put Auntie Edie with Uncle Tommy because oh, they don't like each other, and then... Well, it's also like... I, I used to work at a hotel like we did, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Three weddings every Saturday. Yeah. And the, and, 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 the, and the reason for it is there's protocols of how it goes and who yeah. will be on the top table. And, like, bridegroom do have a say, but there's, that, there's proper protocols. And in serving as well, you, you're serving a certain order. Because mm. I, remember, I remember a wait again, absolutely demolished because his uh, friends were at a wedding, so he's, he went and served them first, he thought that was sensible oh <laughs> yeah, because I mean like he got absolutely demolished over it, <laughs> yeah and apparently as I learned from when I was planning uh, my wedding, it's not an acceptable answer, it's like oh tough shit they can just like, they can sit next to each other apparently that's not an acceptable answer no, that absolutely divorce, not I, I don't know if it's connected but, but... <laughs> yeah, it was all to do with your seating plan um <laughs> Kai Wynn then, she says at this point she actually believes Cisco's the emissary. So bit of a bit of a turn from her, but we're gonna keep an eye on Kai Wynn and her We do get quite a nice uh, dig here by Yoda at Kai Wynn. Mm. I do, because we I have do. where they where they're talking where they're arguing about the quarters. Mm. Kai Wynn walks in and she needs uh, Kira. So Kira goes, yes, and she goes um, Good luck sorting this out, she says to Odo and Wolf, and Odo turns out, I was about to say the same thing to you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, always a pleasure to um, have uh, Fletcher, what's her first name? Louise, Louise Fletcher. Always a pleasure to have her on. And I, I do love the fact they did throw in these little moments which just kind of kept you guessing of her actually being nice. Mm. And like, oh, is this going to be the moment where she actually turns good, you know? And like there's a defeats it in the end but it's just there's it's a, nice. a nice little character beat where she talks about well i wasn't a resistance fighter but i was a religious yes. prisoner during the oppression and yeah. you're like wow actually that that was probably horrific you know so it does never... give you a little bit more sympathy towards her because unless i'm wrong we never got a um 
a mirror universe version of her. No, and I it think didn't. it's because they like to keep you guessing with this version. I, I think I'm, I don't know if it's purposeful. It was just the episode she was available. That would have been interesting. She'd have been lovely in the mirror universe. Yeah, she'd have been really yeah, nice. But I, but I think the fact <laughs> they didn't have that meant you're always guessing about our version, like the the prime yeah. universe version. Which, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but it was certainly worked out as clever. I think. Yeah. And then it's around this time that Avery Brooks does start to crank it up a little bit. And we get the stuff where he's like, don't worry, Admiral, your son forgives you and all this stuff. (laughs) But there is a lovely scene. I don't know if we've gone past it or it's yet to come. Have we gone past the bit where he kind of... uh... Um, he gets wakened by, from the vision by Kira. Yeah, yeah, but we can yeah jump back to that. Oh yeah, I just want to check I wasn't jumping forward, but it's like no. I, I, there was one bit where he does that kind of acting with her. Well, I thought it actually really worked because it sounded like a parent talking to a child, which I thought fit that scene rather well. It's like it's yeah, okay. If you were you know, having a fit, I would have woken you too. <laughs> you know, what, what did he call? What did she call it? A pumpfetar. Yeah, but you're having a pump for time. Yeah, what was it? Uh, A personal vision where no one else Mm. sees it. Yeah, well, that's every vision, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I just thought it was really because, like, yeah, I mean, he was meant to seem ethereal and uh, above our understanding. So Mm. talking like he was talking to a child all seemed right somehow. I like that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and I do like the relationship between Kira and Cisco, like. If it's totally a station matter, she will argue with him till she's blue in the face, but she has this religious reverence for him as well. As soon as it's religion, it's like, yeah, go, do it. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a line which she gives. I think it's later in the episode, but she says like at one stage, it's like, uh, "Oh, I never really believed in the religious side." It's like you've always believed in the religious side, yeah. right from right from the bloody pilot. That's- well, we had we had an we had an episode of that, didn't we? Where the ship gets blown. Yes, Starship Down, isn't it? Mm. Yes. And she's talking to him and she goes, I've always found it difficult to talk to you because I, I see you as a religious icon. Yeah, I exactly. Know, I don't know how that line got through at the end there. It was like, did, did the writer of that yeah. line watch any, any other episodes of, of the show? Yeah, that is a good point. Um, Bashir then, and this is where we get into some of the interesting changeling stuff, uh, because his first diagnosis, he says, well, he'll, he'll die if these visions carry on. And well, knowing what we know later, you do have to question that and go, is that actually true? Well, or is this the changeling wanting rid of the visions? To be fair, he's let, when he first gets... Electrocuted and all that, and he's bit and that and bit weird. He goes, Oh, yeah, just enjoy it. You'll see some colors for a few days. Mm. And then, because mm. he's, he's quite ha- wear off, he's quite happy for the visions to carry on when he's telling the Admiral, Oh, your son forgives you, mm-hmm. and, and other bits and pieces. And he only says he might die. I need to operate as soon as he mentions locusts. Attacking Bejar, mm-hmm. and it's only as soon as he comes out with that, and it's a reference to the Dominion attacking. Ooh. It's only as soon as he comes out with that from the vision that straight away Bashir is there. Got to operate, or you'll die. I've got. Yeah, to- I, he even says earlier that it's like um, 
he says first of all it should pass in a couple of days which if you add it through that prism maybe knew that it wouldn't and it would probably kill mm-hmm. him and also he says that when he's talking about the operation to begin with, <clears throat> like later on in the episode it's like i must do this operation it's going to save his life earlier on it's like well i could do this and it might work he actually says about the same operation earlier on that yeah yeah it might work it, like it was it sounded like a punt and later on it's more like this will certainly yeah. save us life. Yeah, you know. It, it yeah. was quite it was he's quite happy for him to carry on with the visions while he was finding Valhalla Valhalla, whatever it's called, Valhalla is looking for Valhalla. <laughs> but it was quite it was quite happy to for it all to carry on. And it's only as soon as you start mentioning in Bajor being attacked and locusts flying in, he got the reference that's about the Dominion attacking. And mm-hmm. straight away it was got to operate or he'll die. Yeah, the, yeah. It's it's when he when he says like, <laughs> like, you can just see Bashir in the background goes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's another there's a reaction shot later on, but I'll talk about it when we get to it. Uh, there is a really good scene where they're talking to Cassidy and Jake about right. Well, this is what's happening to him, and these are the decisions he has to make and whatnot. And it's like, well, he's choosing not. I, I think that's a really good good scene in terms of the impact it's having on the family and everything and then we get to the meeting scene well which uh, like are we talking about the operation where he's talking to family yeah like this is really interesting because he says cisco has made has said adamantly on his medical records not to operate and that is done it's like my dad has to do not resuscitate. I cannot alter that, no matter what. I know, but, but Bashir turns round to his to Jake and goes, "If you tell me I can, it's his family. I'll do it." No, he doesn't mm. say. He doesn't. Which, they don't mention a DNR. The, the devil might be in the detail here. They don't mention it as a DNR. He didn't want the operation. Once they go unconscious, unless he signed a DNR, they can. Yeah, the next of kin can but, still override his wishes. He's, he's already specifically said he does not want this operation. Yeah, but that's a difference between signing a DNR. Like the, you can turn down an operation. And once you're unconscious, your family can override. Mm. If you sign something saying you don't want to be mm. extreme measures used to bring you round, that's when there's a DNR and they can't override yeah. that. But I'm just wondering if this is a bit dodgy where... No, I, I think that one, by the letter of the law, Bashi- that one passes, because Bashi- otherwise... No, well, I was thinking Bashir is, like, playing things because he's a changeling and he's mm. been trapped from what Cisco's said. And, yeah. and he's taking advantage of the fact that Cisco is now... Unconscious. Oh, I get that. I'm to just play, saying, to yeah. get what he wants to stop the visions by maybe knowing I'm that just Jake saying, will <laughs> say do the operation if I tell Jake if you say I can, yeah. I can. Where I'm saying, I, in, I, what I'm saying is I don't think he'd actually be able, be allowed to carry out the operation. <laughs> since God I mean, said, I'm no, just I going by today's medicine. If again, yeah. if, if a DNI DNR signed. That's only can be overrun. If you said I don't want this operation, as soon as you're unconscious, someone can do it on your behalf. Mm. It, it's the de- like it depends if Starfleet medicine works the same as our. Yeah, I, yeah, well, it I depends. Like, but I well, that's how I I would. It was pl- Bashir was take wants to stop the visions at this. Point, yeah, and he's taking advantage of the fact that Cisco is unconscious and manipulating yeah. Jay. 
and, and bending the rules to get what well, I think you could I just think the rules, that, I think the rules work in his favour on this occasion. He's definitely trying to get that as the outcome, but yeah. I think mm-hmm. just the, the rules ham to work in his favour. It's the next scene which I thought was interesting because there's a bit where... Uh... Sorry, there's just some racing going on outside. Did you have a curry before you came on? Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, no, it's, it's the bit where uh, Kira talks to uh, Kai and uh, Kai went... And she goes, it's like, uh, oh, uh, I would have trusted the prophets. It's like, Kira's response to that should have been, it's like, well, if it was um, a human god, would you have trusted them? That's the real parallel. It's not like, yeah, you trust the prophets because that's your gods. Like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. not Jake's gods. If you want to put it in a real parallel, would you have trusted Earth's god or, you know, mankind's god? Yeah, exactly. That portion you... of mankind's god, I will be very specific here. Just yeah, to... would you trust the Klingon god to make this decision? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely not, because the Klingons killed our legs on centuries hey, Exactly. So if um, they and... along saying they were a Klingon god, I'd go, you're a fake. I know hmm? that you've already been killed. And we'll, this is their heaven, so they could be ghosts. And we'll we'll come back to this when we get to the reckoning episode because in that episode, Kai Wynn is in that exact situation, and she doesn't trust the prophets, whereas Cisco does. And um, so her faith is not necessarily as strong as she might want us to believe. Oh, and that was my um, point. It was like at, at this stage, because because I'm sorry, Jake goes against the prophets. I wonder if that in that episode, that's why they chose Jake partly as like they obviously they wanted to sass Cisco, but like maybe part of it is like, well, he's gone against the prophets before. Yeah, it maybe could well be. Yeah, our, our way of thinking. It's it's kind of a yeah. I, they probably didn't yeah. think of that, but it's a nice little extra layer. Mm. So the the meeting scene then. So Cisco bursts in, and they're like, "Oh, you need to get back to hospital, Ben. You calm down." And he's like, no, I need to talk to them. And they go, go on then, we'll let you talk to them. And then he just goes, they must not join the Federation, the locusts. And they must have just been like, ah, oh, shit, we thought he was just going to say something silly, but I can't believe we let him do that. I mean, it is so, de- like, this is why it's so well written that, like, because if it was any other situation, obviously drummed out Starfleet for that shit. But it's yeah. like, because he's an em- emissary. Every every time that the Federation should discipline and don't, you can always point to that. It's like, yeah, well, it's the one spiritual leaders of Bajorans, they don't like it. But if they try and do anything about it, that's the only thing which would have been interesting. Maybe if they'd uh, done an episode where Section 31 tried to take out Cisco, mm. <laughs> like, because they already at least have the Admiral acknowledge it. Because at the end, he's just like, oh, okay, Ben, I'll put the champagne on ice. Well, and it's does like, acknowledge no. it. He does acknowledge it. He goes, I should have you, I'd have you drummed out Starfleet, but you are the emissary. He does actually say it, does the Admiral? I still think he doesn't. It, it is just kind of like, ah, no harm done. Like, no, there has been a bit of harm done. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's not downplay it. But he does... To be fair, Cisco does always give him also tell him that Bajor will join the Federation. He does. He tells him that he's sure of it. Not only is a Starfleet captain, but also as the emissary. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I think from a the the only thing which um, I think works towards the Federation believing it is well, the other thing I should say is the fact that they do believe the wormhole aliens do exist outside their time. Yeah. They... So when he says that. 
there is some gravitas to the fact that well they can see the future and they've given him these visions so yeah there is yeah he's not just being totally random despite outward appearances of that uh, I think we should close out this episode, though, with one of the best Avery Brooksisms, which is where he just goes, you took them away! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. He, he neither glided nor slalomed that one. No, not that one. <laughs> so let's move on to the begotten then. So this is an Odo episode with a silly subplot about Kira and the baby. But yeah, I, I, I could not give a, a flying shit about that. Plot. I just all the way through this episode, let's bear in mind that Dr. Bashir is a changeling. Yeah, absolutely. And, and may, may I also throw in, unusually for Star Trek... This episode opens with an act of slavery. Like, mm -hmm. now, I want to be very clear. As woke and like, I am, I'm like, call me Wokenstein's monster. I don't give a shit. Uh, like, I, I'm not having a go at this episode, really. But it's kind of interesting, given that Star Trek is usually whiter than white, and I know DS9 is the kind of bad boy of Star Trek to this point. But still, to have slavery, like, literally. Quark sells Odo a, a living being. And when he finds I, I out, love, oh, 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 let me finish, Elliot, let me finish. When he realizes that it's because he goes, oh, it's dead, so I'll, I'll charge you cheaper. It's like, no, it's still alive. Oh, I'll double the price then. And then he's going, it's like, uh, but it's still oh, 50. Like, I'll go halfway. Yeah. <laughs> They're haggling it, it, based it goes, on the living or deadness of this being. It is. It's, I love that. It's five strips of Latinum, it's dead. It's alive. Ten strips. It's yeah. sick. Eight then. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, they, they're literally haggling over living Now, I would like to pick you up on this, because you did say this earlier on, that it was, you know, slavery, and I, I thought about it. And I'd, there is no evidence that this changeling is being treated as a slave. So this is human trafficking. It is the sale of a human being. Yeah, we I'll don't always, know what the purpose of it is. This has been a family fun human trafficking. You're right. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think this is more like human trafficking. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm yeah. this, James. <laughs> so let, let's not cast aspersions here. And also, it is very Star Trek <laughs> to uh, save someone from in a position where they're going to be sold to liberate them, which which is what exactly. I do. But, and, but and like literally, Quark. Quark does do stuff like this in a few episodes, but every other time he gets picked up on it. This is the only mm. time when he gets away with actually selling a living being. Uh, like, I do want to pick up that. I, like, I think why he gets away with it, and I don't. And I also want to defend Odo because I don't think there's any haggling going oh, on here. Nothing's wrong with Odo. Odo, Odo is just immediately. Yeah, he sees it's a changeling, and he's hardly taking notice of what. Odo, what Quark's saying. So Quark's saying, asking for five minutes because it's alive. And he's not taking any notice that Quark doubles the price. Yeah, yeah Quark is the goes, only one human trafficking. Odo is pure in this. Like, Odo... Yeah. <laughs> Odo's fine. Um, I, I do think... Nothing. Because he's so driven, because he's a changeling, I do think he just lets it slide and he's just going for the line of least resistance. Yep. Like, I could have him arrested and it taken off him, but you know what, bugger it, I'll just pay him his strips of lap them and that'll speed it up. Like Kelly says, I don't think he even thinks about it. I think it's just he, he puts a pad to his thumb. He, he doesn't care about that. Yeah. But 
usually it would be written so that someone would pick Quark up on it at some point in the episode. Yeah. It's just interesting. This but, is the one time Quark yeah. gets away with human trafficking <laughs> in an episode of Star Trek. I, yeah. I, I still think that's worth note, even though it I'm not definitely is. It. It I takes. still think it's a very well written episode. I, I didn't actually pick up on the fact he got away with it, but I think <laughs> it's nice that he gets away with things every now and again. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe lesser offences. Like, like <laughs> no, but he, like he just, we know that he makes money in the background and, and with stuff going on. So he obviously does. He obviously we see quite often he gets caught, but that mm-hmm. obviously is off screen lots of times when he does pull off his skins. Oh, and definitely. This is just one of those rare, rare occasions where we see him pulling off something, and he's got away with it, no problem. Yeah, it's just what it is. That was my only point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and to be fair to Quark, it was off to sell it for five strips of lightning, and he actually got eight. <laughs> yeah, so he's done even better on it. He's got sixty percent more than what he wanted. <laughs> as long as he's successfully human trafficking, yeah, I would draw my attention. Talking of Bashir, though. Do we think, I know ultimately the Bashir changeling is revealed to have a very specific mission. But do we think he's also on the station to keep an eye on human odor? Yeah, so you could say human trafficking. He's just there no. to overdo that. Yeah, because I, he looks well, very interested when it's mentioned it's a changeling. Yeah, yes, like yeah. I have theories on this because it's very ill at first, and mm. the Shia takes it away, and it's all off camera, and he comes back and says, "I've managed to get rid of." most of the radiation because it's obviously been irradiated which is what's made it sick and i wonder if he's actually uh linked with it to make it better i could have done yeah absolutely which inadvertently would have infected it with the virus which might be what kills it yeah i would also throw out a little thing that um where uh, you've got which is also why Odo gets the virus back because someone mm-hmm. was made a solid, so he no longer had the changeling virus. But I just like to throw out also where they've got changing Bashir on the station. I wonder if the whole thing was to monitor Odo in his human form. Like, I've never thought there's mm. kind of low wrinkle on it. That, like, the, the, the moment we can pinpoint him being on there is after he's been changed into a solid. I wonder if they put it there, you know, because they want to keep an eye on what humanoid um, Odo's up to. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think there is something to that. I think 100%, I think part both, but we know he has a main mission. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense for, yeah, we want to know what Odo's doing. And and I think also maybe also protecting Odo, that Odo's okay as a solid... I mean, I, I'm just wondering if, like, when Odo is being put on the ship, they go, right, you, you're going to, like, infiltrate them. And it's like, oh, while well, you're on there, why don't you, like, and then they, I wonder if the other plot mm-hmm. came after that. Maybe it was like, yeah. that was what the primary reason I was sending there. And it's like, well, while you're there, you may as well fuck shit up for them, because that's fun. Maybe, yeah. And um, so the, just a, a note on the changeling, it looks like when you used to get loads of different colour slime and you used to mix them together and just before they all sort of seeped together and ended up brown, you get this thing where it's kind of different layers and streaks of different colours. 
feels to me like that's what you see. Here we go. Star Trek marketing. Slime's very in for kids at the minute. Let's get let's get baby yeah, changelings. Yeah, baby changeling slime. Let's get it out there. Like it. it, it to be fair, <clears throat> it probably was made out of slime a lot of this. I'm sure it was. There's one bit, I'm pretty sure it was some sort of jelly, like where they lift it and the whole thing yeah. just a, a sec before it melts. Yeah. That's and true. I like that Odo's taking this really holistic approach to it, like I'm going to talk to it, I'm going to be nice to it, I'm not going to make all the mistakes Dr. Mora did. And Cisco's like, call Dr. Mora. And like, no, 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 that's not a good idea. Yeah, and he just conveniently happens to be visiting his family. I'm of sure course he does, yeah. yeah. Like, I I actually like this story that that between yeah. Dr. Morrow and Odo through this. And you get because Odo has a lot of resentment towards him for how he was treated, which is why he's treating this baby changeling differently. That mm-hmm. he isn't going to do what he said. And it's a nice little character arc of these two. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's interesting, Elliot. You pronounced it Dr. Moreau, which like reminds me of the, the island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. I wonder if Mora is some sort of like version. Well, of that. yeah. <laughs> well, it sort of makes sense, doesn't it, when you think that is uh, altered uh, something is found into another creek into something else. Yeah, it does actually. It fits. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. But he's not played by Marlon Brando, sadly. Yeah, yeah, oh God. Or actually, you like some at, at that stage in his career, I'd take, what's he called, James Sloyan, I think, who's playing Dr. Mora. I'd take him over late-stage Marlon Brando. I know I pr- uh, I um, mentioned this quite a few times when we're talking about uh, Low Decks, but the How Did This Get Made podcast, which has uh, all three presenters have been in Star Trek uh, mm-hmm. in animated form. Um, it's worth checking out their episode on the island of Dr. Moreau. They bring in so much batshit stuff that happened. Oh, there. it was crazy. The, and yeah. There's oh, a, a later version. Yeah, the Brando one. Yeah. Uh, there's a documentary about it, which I forget what it's called. Um, and the documentary is way better than the film. And it's all about the director and how he got shut out and he snuck back in dressed as an extra. It's Brando absolute... leaves halfway through the film, I believe, and then they had to yeah. just work around what he'd already shot. And that was the film where Brando was using earpieces to feed him the lines. And apparently at one point it picked up a local police CB <laughs> and he just started reading it verbatim. So he was going like, you come to my island and I will make the chimpanzee men and... Uh, single black male driving in a Ford Chevy down the... the, And people were just like, what is he talking about? Um, But anyway, so let's briefly cover the subplot then. So O'Brien's got to ring a bell for Kira's baby and then Shakar turns up and there's this really... Yeah, there's this really tedious sort of bickering between the two of them. Like, don't look at my girlfriend's family. It's my baby. Oh, 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 and, and, um, and by the way... For any American listeners, we mean vagina when we say fanny. Just we do mean it. vagina when we say uh, fanny, not yeah. bum. Though I'm sure Shakal wouldn't want O'Brien looking at Kira's bum either. 
I think there's a one worse offence than the other. Battle, I, mean, I mean, let's be honest, in though. America, quite often in birth, the two like, things become one anyway. So, you know, in maybe. America, they, if you watch American shows, that goes like, oh, you just patting me on the fanny. And it's like, what? Yeah, yeah, fanny means bum in America. That's right. why a, a bum bag is called a fanny pack. Right. Yeah, it's not a vagina pack. That would be no. <laughs> too right. edgy, I think. Uh, for the average American, I feel. But yeah, it's um, I, it, this whole story is bullshit. But it's like it's when the um, the uh, midwife get, has a go at O'Brien for not having perfect rhythm on a bloody uh, yeah yeah. Hey. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry not being trained funny, but... for years in gong etiquette. I'm not being funny, but we have to listen to that. So shake tambourine <clears throat> gong. And it's fucking annoying as fuck. <laughs> how, is. Is that, how is that bastard relaxing? That'd do me fucking head in. Well, I mean, I, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, this whole storyline, it's a clever way of incorporating in our visitor's pregnancy. However, the storyline does not pay dividends, really. Like, there's that terrible episode where, like, Kira and O'Brien sort of want to shag each other, and it's just like, I'll oh, just go away. I mean, there's even a, there's even a bit where, uh, <laughs> where Dr. Bashir, this is how annoying all that setup was. Dr. Bashir goes, look, I've got, got some operations. I might come back later. Like, she's about to give birth, and he's going, I'm done with this shit. Like, I, I uh, might come back later. Yeah, but... When you think of it, that is a changeling, and he knows there's a change, another cha- baby changeling on the station. That's why, it. The fuck, why the hell would he want to be sat there? Oh, with oh, no, no, but I'm just going to throw out there that, like, to, to the way he kind of uh, covers himself so well, that'd be a pretty big omission. It's like, yeah, you're giving birth. Fuck it. I might show up later. Sorry, I think that might be slightly giving yourself away there. Yeah. <laughs> and like, can you imagine if it had got back to the Great Link? They'd have been like, you did what? You had to deliver Kira's baby to, oh, but it was O'Brien's baby. Got the, oh, bloody hell. We think we've got complicated lives in the Great yeah. Link. But I mean, I would give him if he said, it's like, look, if I can't make it, I'll send one of my nurses. They can, you know, deliver a baby. Mm. That's absolutely fine. But he just goes, yeah, might turn up later. Yeah. Fucking worst doctor ever. <laughs> Even if he's a changeling, that's not keeping your cover up. So Maura turns up then. This is the more interesting story, at I'm least. sorry, by the way, I should say, keep me cover up. Is another reference to the cover of the vagina. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's good that we always point out when we're talking about vaginas, just so people can, yeah. can deal with it. So, yeah, Dr. Maura, he turns up and he's asking all these scientific questions. And I do like that it shows the different approach and it's like, no, this guy does have a lot of knowledge about this and he's knowing what things to ask. Like, have you checked this level? Have you done that? Have you done the other? And in some ways, I think it's, it's almost like a metaphor for first time parents where they get overwhelmed when it's like, well, you know, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you done this? It, it also throws up I, so many questions in the best tradition of Star Trek about kind of experimentation. Like, mm. is it okay to do this if it forwards scientific uh, knowledge? Is it okay to do this, which might hurt someone, but means that they'll be able to progress and actually heal better? You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot I of think, really yeah, interesting questions in this. It, it's very clever uh, with Dr. Morrow because he almost tricks Odo into making him stay to watch him 
<laughs> Jimmy Cummings. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he, 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 almost, he sort of wangles it round to, oh, well, why don't we do some tests on you, Odo? Because you're the only changeling that's <laughs> yeah. ever been made into a solid. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's like the wonderful <laughs> exercise and empathy you get as the story goes on with them kind of switching positions halfway through. Mm. And there's even a bit where kind of uh, Dr. Morris says, it's like, uh, no, no, I'm just observing. This is up to you to do. If you're going to, if we're going to do this electric shot, you're not putting this shit on me this time, Sunshine. This yeah. is your decision to do it. If you yeah, absolutely. It. And Odo's trying all this, I'm, I'm going to show it a ball, then I'm going to put it in a sphere and we'll see if this works. And Dr. Morris like, hey, if you give it a little zap, that'll, that'll make it do <laughs> no, it much I, quicker. I, I like the fact that in the end they do say that it's like what Odo did was valuable in teaching it because it didn't reach out to slap him out of the way. Yeah. It yeah. empathy with him. It built up a relationship. So it's kind of like, Again, I, I'm not saying any experimentation which causes pain is completely wrong because there are cases no. forward stuff, and it's like it's it, it gets into a debate there, and this treats the viewer with a lot of respect in that way. It does treat mm-hmm. it as a, as a as a complex issue, not a right or wrong thing. It's like like Doctor Maru also comes out with some really valid stuff because the temperature's wrong in here. Make it should be 17 degrees centigrade. And Roder goes, Why? He goes, Because that's the best, te- the most ideal temperature for you mm. changing shape. That's your, your most ideal temperatures. And he goes, So he goes, Look, it took me weeks and weeks to work that out. Yeah. Make it, make it easy for it. Do it straight yeah. away. We don't have to experiment. The same to thing get, with the shock. To yeah. get this, yeah, we we already know seventeen degrees centigrade. This much humidity it is the most comfortable, and this much uh, electricity to <laughs> to get it to change shapes. Yeah, yeah, and it, the, you do get again like a bit of sympathy for Doctor Mara, which when it all gets bureaucratic and everything, and Doctor Mara's like, you see now, you see. The pressures I had on me, like you know, I didn't necessarily want to do those things, but people were. This would be worse because he was under Cardassian occupation. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's also the smell that. No, but what was I saying? All those thinking it bad that Starfleet will come in and take over. Mm. Imagine what it'd be like for Doctor Maru under Cardassian occupation. And they want results. Actually, the only thing which I did, that, that was the thing at the beginning I thought was kind of uh, a bit weird. It's like uh, Cisco pops his head around the door to check how it's all going. And he goes, well, soon Starfleet's going to want daily reports. Starfleet didn't want that from the beginning. And and it also seemed... No, bit, no. To me, it did seem... Well, I, I, I would buy... Like... Also, just one second, Ellie. I would buy that they um, would let the two of them have had it to begin with, but I'm surprised they didn't have like a team of scientists in there. Why did they just go, well, ah, no, the two of them have got it. You know, we won't send any, anyone. I was also a bit funny about this, about how is Starfleet claiming rights on this? Mm. Because uh, Odo works for the Bajorans as a security officer, and the Bajorans are part of Starfleet. <laughs> Actually, I'll give you and this. This is a Bajoran station. Yeah, and he bought it off the of Ferengi. I can throw I can throw into that. The reason why I can sort of like square that circle is that uh, 
Bajor does defer to the Federation in certain matters. Maybe like where they're still recovering from the occupation, they know uh, Starfleet science is a bit yes. more, you know, has a bit more resources. Maybe well, they, they've they done that well, behind the scenes. But how Cisco comes in, like, yeah, to say we're taking over. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing which really surprised me, I again, I could sort of like, I'll believe that off off screen, he's already had that conversation with ba the Federation and Bayshore have had that conversation. Like, like let's that, bear in mind that, strictly speaking, they're not at war yet. That doesn't happen for a couple of more episodes. No, they're not mm -hmm. at war. I'm saying that where Bayshore is recovering from the war, I would believe that they deferred Starfleet, who have an active you know, medical, they, they're just recovering, but they, they mention it so often that they're still recovering from the oxygen. Yeah, they must yeah. have, like, rules in place um, saying, also, saying that we'll take over any Yeah, we'll if there's a major over. scientific discovery, we get dibs or something. But you get every copy of it, like, you get all the information, <laughs> so you get the results, but none the work. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing which more surprised me was the fact that Odo was, Odo always argues with the captain and with basically everyone whenever they try and take over anything he's doing. Yeah, and this one he's going, yes, captain, three bags full, captain. It's, it's I think it's just captain that I think it's the fact Cisco is trying to tell him lightly to get out to sort things out, have some results, mm. or Starfleet will come in. And he realizes that Cisco doesn't want to do this, and it there's no point arguing with Cisco about it. I just don't think Odo's ever been that diplomatic in any no. other yeah, true. He, he seems extremely diplomatic here. It's probably just the expedience of the episode where you've got to get on with the episode, so you've got to let and, something And it also gives him that empathy with what uh, Dr. Maru did to win. Yeah, I, if, he, I, if he has to go a lot, if he if he's mm. under pressure in the same way. Again, it's one of those things like maybe just one line of him going, it's like, it, uh, it's, but you can't take him from him. Look, I'm trying to help you here, mate. And then he. Yeah. Yeah. It is good how Odo goes from like, he's all against these tests, but then when he actually sees it change shape, he's sort of buzzing from it. And Dr. Mora says, well, I smiled when you first did that. Uh, it is this seeing the experience from Mora's perspective that I think is yeah. really interesting. I hope he never holds it against you someday. Yeah, when he says, well, you know, you might see him grow up and do all these amazing things, or he might piss off and never talk to you again, dig. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and then it, it it's obviously seen the abyss because it, it turns into the water tentacle from the abyss, which is fine. I mean... That that's the accepted form that gelatinous creatures take when they're trying to communicate with humans. So we'll let that one go. There's also the level of CGI that was available, and let's bear in mind, of course, 1990s CGI. Yeah, to be fair, TV, TV CGI, and to be fair, this gelatinous one where it comes up and it forms the face actually stands up. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Like, bear in mind, the Phantom Menace was after <laughs> this. <laughs> I, I I will also say that it's like, uh, I'm glad that for most of it, it was a practical goo. You know, they didn't just try and CGI all the way through. Yeah. I fear mm -hmm. nowadays they would do that. And it's like, 
practical still has its place. Practical still looks wonderful yeah. for certain things. If you can do it practically, do it. If you need, yeah, like, unless it's cost prohibitive, whereas this goo probably didn't cost them that much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the bit where Odo's buzzing, so he wants to have a bit of a party, but we start the scene on Quark and he's going, oh, profits are down. I'm going to start watering drinks again. Yeah. Like, we do have a bit before that where they're doing all the shapes and stuff. Mm. And they get it first time that it stays in the shape. And Maru's going, oh, it took you three times to to learn to do that. And Odo goes, actually, the first two times I deliberately didn't because I knew it yeah. was going to Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Which I think is quite nice that, you know, that he's all, he was already self-aware. Way before Maru knew that he was actually Yeah, he was, he was protesting effectively. And it's also nice to the, the level that their relationship has progressed here, that Odo is comfortable enough to give him that and go, no, actually, it was working. I was just doing it to mess with you. Yeah. You have it very early on as well. Odo talks about the cube, which is one of the first shapes he Mm. he was in that he held. And he goes, I loved it in the right angles, but I didn't get to hold it. He moved it to somewhere else. I'll let you hold in this and enjoy it. Yeah. Dr. Maru probably didn't know that he was enjoying that because at that point he didn't realise he was self-aware. And these are yeah. things that he's learned, that Odo is telling Dr. Maru for the first time as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll even throw in, I think there is uh, something I recognised in this is, uh, you know, there, there's things which I think every parent, I'll, I'll speak for myself certainly, there's things which... Uh, I look back on, I wish I'd handled differently. And I think there is that thing of the older parent, like I get the feeling like um, Odo is probably closer to being right on who Dr. Moore used to be than who he is now. Mm. Like he probably was, like he probably did do some things which are very questionable now, which he regrets. And you kind of feel that in his performance. I've, I mean, yeah. expertly, you know, the guy who plays Dr. Moore is is wonderful uh, in, in both the episodes he's in. And so I think yeah. it's only two he's in. Um, and yeah, I, I really recognise that as a parent, that feeling of regret and you you want to do things right and you, you've learned from your children, maybe even doing things better than you did. And yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? We've got, there's, I think there's a sense of pride from Dr. Mora that Odo is doing it better than he yeah. could do it. Um, but then, while it's all going lovely, we find out the changeling's dying and we get, yeah, I know we've largely glossed over the stupid subplot, but they do try and juxtapose, like, the birth of the baby and the death of the changeling, yeah. um, which fine. And it does lead to a nice scene where you get Odo and Kira at the end, and there's this sort of this bond of they've both kind of lost children that's not really their oh, children. Yeah. Can no. I just question something in this scene, though? Because I, I think it was a little bit insensitive, like... Um, Kira's talking about it's like oh, I didn't even want a kid, and here is my living child, the living child which I hand over to them, which will mm. live perfectly fine. You know, it doesn't even mention what's happened to Odo. Like she must be aware that that's happened. Yeah, it's not like, quite it, the same. But I, 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 Odo's I, I, so in love with Kira, he's not going to go. That were a bit insensitive. Yeah, but I think it is. I just I like. No, no, but Odo's not going to tell her it is. Oh no, I'm just saying it's like I think the. Um, the writers, 
he acts that way because the writers decide he acts that yes. way. Whereas I think, yeah. like, in any real situation, that would be fucking insensitive to yes. talk about, like, the child you held in your arms. Whereas he's just seen the child kind of die in a way or become, I know it becomes part of him, but, like, he's he's watched that child he's right. much die still. Like, the part, I, like, there's part of this that gets me, when the child's ill, the, the changeling, mm-hmm. so... They take it to Dr. Bashir's uh, infirmary. And then it's Dr. Maru and Dr. Bashir who go leave a sword off to try sort it. And I wonder if, uh, if Bashir had gone, leave me while I try sort things out. Mm. If he'd have been able to save it by linking. Yeah, if it had been just him, but he can't reveal that he's a changeling in front of Dr. Mora. Yeah. I, I think um, it would also... Yeah, but like then the changer would just kill more and done it. <laughs> True. Oh, he died um, touching that electrical panel on, you know. Yeah. I, so I wonder, again, we know this changeling doesn't make it back, but if he had got back to the link, he'd have probably have had some serious questions to answer there about, Sorry well, about you let... I've got top. <laughs> no worries. Um, he, he'd probably have some serious questions to answer, like, well, you were the chief medical officer on the station and you let a changeling die under your watch. So, yeah, I think I think Bashir changeling might have been in trouble if he'd have got back letting I- one die. The only thing I think would have been, I don't know, I, I don't know why I thought this when I was watching this now, it would have been kind of nice if Odo's got the memories of the kind of changing which yeah, like, like the links kind of thing. And then also it means that last scene is, is insensitive because it, it doesn't die because it literally lives on within him. Talk, as it was, he died. Bec- as, it, as it was, it did die and it just gave Odo its his shape-shifting ability. Back. Yeah, and you could have had a really nice bit where... Um, Maura could have said something like, oh, I'm sure the changeling was very fond of you, Odo. And Odo could have said, well, I've got its memories and it was fond of you as well, or something like that. Yeah, That'd have yeah. been nice. But nice and I thought, oh, oh, well, actually, I, it thought like, you were a twat, keeping like, telling me to electrocute him. Like, I dropped out for a bit when I was saying about Bashir and all, like, if you could have said it. But I wonder if, like, when it did die, if Bashir was really upset. Yeah, the well, that's it. I don't see. Mm-hmm. Like, how hard was it for the changeling to, to see yeah. that happen? I, hey, the, the good thing is, like, the changeling can still play that because it's like, Bashir would be upset. So Yeah, yeah exactly. He's um, in the office. So the, the outcome then, which we've kind of skipped over, but it's a little bit convenient plot device that it just goops into Odo and that gives him his, turns him back into a changeling, but... Yeah, is what it is. Space magic. I think that is space magic, actually. I think we can chalk that up to space magic. I mean, I think once you get to the Great Link, it's it's all kind of space magic, the Great Link. Like, yeah. yeah. It does look, It is a nice get-out-of-jail-free card. They can just link and... That's yeah. And that brings us to the end of the, the arc within the arc of Odo as a solid. Yeah, Wasn't that long it, it, told, really. No, but it was it was nice how this episode how <laughs> it reconnected with Doctor Maru and he's now going to keep in touch with Eamon. It yes, realized, I mean, he realizes that he actually cared and he realizes 
he sees things from his point of view, what he had to do with all the Yeah, definitely. I think that's nice. It's a good character piece for Odo and everything. Well, Doctor Who is almost his dad when you think about it. And you do get those moments with kind of your parents where, like, um, or any family member, where you have an argument and then you're both apologising, but you're both taking on the blame. And it felt a lot like that the second half. They did. They're both praising each other's approach and going, like, no, I was wrong. You showed empathy and it responds to that. No, I was wrong. I did need to do some things to try and encourage it. Like, which... um, Yeah, it's really good for them too. And it's a shame we never got Dr. Mora again. Like, it would have been good if he'd have visited Odo in season seven when he's ill. That'd have, that'd have been a good time to bring him back. But unfortunately, I don't know whether it's actor availability or what, but, yeah, but sadly, we don't get that. Because we? we do see that Odo sends in reports and all that. Yes, and we do, they're, yeah. They're, but very we... much, they're very much like insecurity reports. Yeah. It, it felt like a... Um... <sighs> A more evolved, like you know, it evolved from the relationship Data had with um, his uh, the the guy in the, who puts him in trial, who he then Maddox. Maddox, 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 yeah, which he writes off to. Like you see him, like there's a Data's yeah, day, is born, Data's day yeah. Uh, and it feels like they've seen that relationship. They haven't done exactly the same, but they've kind of. It feels like they've they. It's almost like that's the starting point. They've evolved it from there. Like, yeah. Let's make him his dad. Let's kind of uh, have all this extra complexity. It's let's one of them that you can imagine that they had a cordial relationship from this point onwards. Um, but it would have been nice to have seen him again. But there you go. Yeah, and what what we leave behind, he doesn't even go. It's like, oh, by the way, tell dad that I'll miss him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So next week, then, we've got the epic, epic, epic two-parter, um, which I always get these the wrong way around. So it's in Purgatory's Shadow and by Inferno's Light, I think. Yeah. You have to yes, be in the sh- shadow of, of Purgatory before you go into the light of Inferno. That's it. Absolutely, I you do. I have watched these next two episodes more than any other episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> okay. They are particularly good ones. And I think that... Two of my personal all-time favourite episodes. Yeah, I think they're great episodes. And they are very much the pivot point of DS9. These are absolute key episodes for the Dominion War. So really excited to talk about them next week. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is what leads to the finale. You know, the the event in this... Get you there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's, like, it's all been a bit low key with Dominion War up to next week, what we're covering next week. Yeah, this is a major game changer, so really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm not um, sure how it, many episodes we into the Dominion War yet. Quite a few. <laughs> but like all the other um, ones, add a little bit to the jigsaw. This one is a whole cut like this is a corner of the sky it feels yeah big. this absolutely changes the game completely um but if you want to get in touch with us where all over social media search for us on facebook we're at retrekpod on twitter retrekpod at gmail.com elliot's got retrek model studios on there where you're working on the flying sub i believe i'm work i'm working on this at the moment the flying sub <laughs> It's quite a large model. <laughs> it is a large model, so go and check that out. Dr. Squee, as you mentioned, you've got a 
rather trek appropriate interview up on YouTube at the minute. Yes, if you go to youtube.com slash Dr. Squee, you can see my interview with Alexander Siddig or enjoy the show this Tuesday, 6 till 8, sw20radio.co.uk, where um, I'm actually conducting an interview um, tomorrow uh, with uh, uh, the director of a film called uh, The Last Deal, which is all about like uh, this guy who uh, was de- dealing with drugs before it became legal. And then when it becomes legalized, it actually makes it more difficult for him. So he tries to pull off one last hit, one last huge deal, uh, and everything goes right. It's a really great film. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, I'd actually highly recommend it. When you get sent a lot of independent screeners, you know, quality may vary, but there can be some real talkers, and I really enjoyed this one. Fantastic. So check that out, and we'll be back next week to talk about a big, big, big two-parter. Uh, but thanks for trekking with us this time, and we will see you next time on The Retrek. Thank you. Goodbye. LLAP and drag off.